I'm Pastor Erica, and y'all may not know it, but you are looking at a miracle. This table has, like, literally fell apart earlier today, and somehow, in the last 15 minutes, it got put to put back together. So thank you for whoever did that. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. Does anybody here watch streaming services like Netflix, Hulu, Roku, anything? Anybody watch that? All right. The average adult, listen to this, spends 18 minutes a day just deciding what show you're going to watch on your streaming service. 18 minutes a day it takes y'all to figure out what y'all are going to watch on Netflix. 18 minutes a day, and then you've got like hours to watch it, right? Like, that's just a lot of time. In fact, that 18 minutes becomes about 45 hours, just over 45 hours in the course of a year. So if you work 40 hours a week, you've wasted an entire work week plus some just trying to figure out what you're going to watch on Netflix. If anybody has spent this time, you're like, yes, it's a full-time job to figure out what you're going to watch next on, on Netflix. So I read this stat, and I decided when I like, read this stat, I was like, I'm just going to get serious about the shows that I like. Like, I'm not going to spend 18 minutes deciding, like looking at that picture, reading the description, watching the first 30 seconds. Just, I just don't have time for that. I know what kind of shows I like, and that's just what I'm going to watch. So, um, you know, there are people in my house, they watch kids' movies, the animated, like, movies and things. There's someone in my house who loves action-packed thrillers. That is not me. I love, guys, do not judge me. Y'all know what I'm about to say. I love a good rom-com. Like, give me a chick flick. Listen, my life is so unpredictable. I have three young children. I'm starting a new church. My life is full of unpredictable things. And there is nothing, there is nothing better than at the end of a long day, cuddling up with a blanket on my couch and watching a predictable storyline with a few improvisations, okay? There is nothing better than a rom-com. And that... That is why I was really excited to share the book of Ruth with you all in February. I was like, this church is going to be ready for my rom-com, the book of Ruth. You know, there are so many stories in this Bible. There's like split in the Red Sea, like sci-fi. There's like mystery. We're going to hang out in the desert for 40 years and figure out if we can get to the promised land or not. There's like healing and, and all this like intense like stuff in the Bible, right? And I'm like, just give me the book of Ruth about two women who like lose everything, they build it back up again. Ruth finds true love after like losing and everything like give me the book of Ruth right it's February y'all this is like I'm like this is what our church is gonna want and then Chris is like Erica I'm inviting people to manly dip night because of you <laughs> doing this rom-com stuff <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding but I started reading and studying this book of the Bible and it is not it is not a rom-com it is not a rom-com it is a story about real tragedy and real pain and real hurt, real grief, real sorrow, and it is a story about God's real hope in the midst of it. That's what every story in here is about. The ultimate story of the Bible is about the desperate and the hurting, the broken and the lost, the lonely and the afflicted finding hope and healing and wholeness in Jesus. And Ruth, Ruth shows us what it's like. Let's, let's, set the, uh, let's set the stage. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it sets it for us. It says in the... I'll try it this way. <laughs> in the days when the judges... <laughs> okay. 
It, I promise this is what it says. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So if thousands of years ago you would have read this, in the days when the judges ruled, you would have automatically been like, oh, this is terrible. Things are dark. There's crime. There's corruption. Things are really bad. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So people are hungry. They have scarcity of food. They can't figure out um, like how they're going to eat or what they're going to do. So things are dark and bad, right? Like it, things aren't good, okay? So a man from Bethlehem in Judah. Does anybody know what Bethlehem? Do y'all know what happened in Bethlehem? Jesus was born there. Anyway, so a man was living there where Jesus is going to be born. But together with his wife and two sons, he went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. So just, just a little bit so you know I, it's just going to help set this story for the rest of the time. Elimelech is a name, and if you would have heard this name in Hebrew, it meant my God is king. So when you hang out with Elimelech, you know this man's serious about his faith. What God asks him to do, he does. Where God asks him to move, that's what he does. God is the king and the ruler of his life. No matter what is happening with the judges, with whatever's happening outside his window, God is the king of his life. Naomi is a Hebrew word that means sweet or pleasant. So Naomi's not the woman who you call when you want to be petty because she's not going to do that with you. She is sweet and pleasant. She likes people. She enjoys being around them. She's going to host them. She is sweet and pleasant. And they have two sons. And I was like, since, you know, their names are, you know, my God is king and sweet and pleasant. I'm sure they named their kids like something awesome. But they named their kids Malin and Kilion. And Malin means sickly or sick. (laughs) And Killian means frail or tired. They literally named their children sick and tired. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Like, hi, I'd like to apply for this job, and I'll tell you a little bit about my family. I have two kids sick and tired. Like, who says, who names their kids this? So anyway, uh, that's a little bit of foreshadowing about what happens, because later in this story we find out that these two women, Naomi, who is pleasant and sweet and hopeful about life, loses her husband and her two sons. And I need you to understand what this means. In those days, women at best, at best, were second-class citizens. At the very best, they were second-class citizens. They couldn't own things. They couldn't buy things. They couldn't, like, have... They just, like, were not... They could not do anything. So when her husband dies, and then her two sons also dies, she's likely homeless and she's hungry, and she's not protected in this world that's full of crime and corruption. Not that women need protection, but in these days they needed the protection, okay? It is bad news bears. We think that Elimelech moved from Bethlehem to Moab for economic advantage, okay? Cost of living was less there probably. The view was better. Go home. Type in Moab on Google, on Google Maps and look at the pictures. Like, it is picturesque, okay? Canyons and this, like, beautiful river. It is beautiful, gorgeous scenery. So a better view, better cost of living, better, like, restaurants. Like, it's a famine in, in, in Bethlehem, and there is, like, foodie good restaurants in Moab, okay? So things are better. But I need you all to hear. 
I need y'all to hear before we get started. This is about God showing up in ordinary things because this story isn't just Ruth's story. This story isn't just Naomi's story. This story isn't just Elimelech's story. This story is our story. This story is our story. And I need you to hear what happens. Elimelech goes chasing a dollar. And when tragedy hits, because it's going to hit, y'all, we live in a broken, tragic world. There's hope, and we're going to learn about that, but we know we live in a world where tragedy and hope is real. And he moves his family there, and him and his two sons die, and his wife, the love of his life, is left with no protection, no home, no food, and no resources. Listen to this. Some of you are making decisions right now. Some of you are making big life decisions right now. And the Bible starts this story with this truth. Community and the ability for people to help you when things fall apart is more important than a dollar. That, this story starts with that. Some of you are making a really big decision about the future of your family, the future of your job, the future of your finances. Community and being surrounded by people you love is more important than chasing a dollar. This story starts this way. There's no splitting seas. There's no huge war. There's not this miraculous huge thing that happens in this story, but it is about God showing up in the ordinary and what ordinary decision you feel like you're, moving, you're making right now is an important decision where you can be faithful to God who thinks community is important. He set us up for it. Look around. If you're in this church, I can promise you, if you're sitting in that seat today and you fill out a connection card, you have a safety net around you. There are people in this room that will testify to that. I promise you, if you live in this community and we can figure out how to be the hands and feet of Jesus for you, we will be. Because this story starts out by saying community and family is important. It is essential to our lives. These people have their kids sick and tired. Um, they, they die. <laughs> I mean, that, what do you expect when you name your kids that? But that's beside the story. Be careful what you name your kids. Um, that's the other biblical truth here. But when, um, let's, this, this is what happens, okay? We are all in the place where we are making some kind of decision in our lives. We are all living through something right now in this very moment. And this is what, this is what Ruth, the whole book of Ruth teaches us, okay? There is a moment when everything falls apart and you have to decide, am I going to stay here and make it work or I, am I going to move to a different place, and this is what Ruth teaches us. Ruth teaches us this. When we are in the wrong place, we have to leave the wrong place to get to the right place. Sometimes we have to leave the wrong place. Sometimes we have to leave the wrong place to get to the right place. Somebody in here is sitting in a wrong place. You are in some kind of toxic relationship. And you need to leave that wrong place so you can get to a better place. There is somebody in here who, need, who is sitting in the, you're going home to look at some bills that you don't know how you're going to pay them. You are sitting in the midst of financial issues and you are in the wrong place. You're spending with your credit card, whatever. You are in the wrong place and God is inviting you to move to the right place. Some of you are, are I don't even, I don't know what, I believe this. This is what I believe, that some of us in this room are sitting in the wrong place. Mentally, you're not present anywhere because you're present everywhere. 
You're too worried about being liked by everybody. Some of us are living in the wrong place and we need to move to the right place. And this is what Ruth and Naomi teach us. That with God, moving from the wrong place to the right place is possible and God will be faithful. You're looking at something right now and moving from the wrong place to the right place looks and feels impossible right now. But what we are going to learn in the book of Ruth is God is faithful. God is faithful. When Naomi, Ruth chapter 1 verse 6, I'll keep going with the story. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living. She left the place where she had been living, where everything fell apart and life was terrible. She left that bad, wrong place, and she set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah, to Bethlehem. If you are looking to move from the wrong place to the right place, the first thing that you have to do, Naomi and Ruth teach us this, look for where God is working. I heard... Naomi said, I heard that God's provided food for people in Bethlehem. He is providing for his people. And Ruth and Naomi are like, let's pack up our stuff and go. Let's get out of the place where there's no food, no resources, no protection for us, and let's go back to the land where God is taking care of people. Actually move in that direction. Don't just look for where God is working. Actually move in that direction. Maybe some of you, like, you know, maybe your spending is a little out of control. And the way to move from the wrong place to the right place is cutting up those credit cards and quit using them. Right? Move from the wrong place to the right place. Move in that direction where God is working. Maybe some of you are in a job that is, is no longer, like, it just absolutely sucks the life out of you. God does not want you living in that. Look where God is working. Where's God, where's God at work? Move in that direction. Look. Look for where God is working and move in that direction. Ruth and Naomi teach us this. God is working over there. I'm going to go that way. Look for where God is working and move in that direction. The second thing that you, are, that you need to do I'll read the verses first. <laughs> Do you have the second slide? Sorry. All right. But Ruth replied. Uh, so they're headed in the right direction. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. She says this to Naomi. These are very famous words that, that Ruth says. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. They're headed to the right place. They're headed to the right place. And Naomi's like, Ruth, you know what? You don't actually have to go with me. I got this by myself. And Ruth is like, no. I made the decision that God is working over there, and I'm going to head that way, right? Don't tell me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Naomi, uh, Ruth looks at Naomi and is her mother-in-law, okay? My mother-in-law's not here today, so I can say this. I, if I had the choice to go with my mother-in-law, even to where the Lord is working, just me and her, 
or to figure out how to make things work back in the wrong place, I'll tell you where I probably spend a little bit of time trying to figure out if I can find where God's working. And it's not moving in that direction, right? But Naomi, Ruth is a different person than me. She looks at Naomi and she says, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your God who's providing for your people, that's my God too. And I'm going to serve him. This is, what, this is what this teaches us. Look for ways to honor your commitment and keep moving. Look for ways to, when you have committed to moving from the wrong place to the right place, look for ways you can stand in that commitment and keep moving that way. This is the point in time where we start second-guessing ourselves, where we start saying, maybe I'll fail if I do this. Maybe things won't work out if I'm supposed to. No, you've made the commitment. This is what Ruth teaches us. Once you make the commitment, make it and then move in that direction. And then finally, when you get there, when you get there, I want you to hear what Naomi says, okay? So look for where God's moving, move in that direction. Once you made your commitment, go there. Don't second guess yourself. And finally, show up as yourself. Be exactly who you are. Naomi has lost her son, her, both of her sons and her husband. And I want y'all to listen. She shows up and the women in Bethlehem are like, can this be Naomi? She looks like she's been through the ringer. She has been through the ringer. She lost her husband and both her sons. She has no idea what, what the future is going to be like. She's absolutely leaving, living in uncertainty. And she looks at these women who are like, is that really you, Naomi? And she says, do not call me Naomi. I'm no longer sweet and pleasant, she told them. Call me Mara, which means bitterness, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. This is what I love about this. This is what I love about this story is that God could have had those women when, when, they, when Naomi arrives there, God could have had those women say, we're so glad you're back, Naomi. And Naomi could have plastered a fake smile on her face and been like, everything's going to be fine. Everything happens for a reason. We're going to make the best of this. But what does Naomi do? When, when her friends say, you don't look like you feel good, Naomi. You look like things have been hard. You know what her friends let her do? This is what happens when we move from the wrong place to the right place. In the right place, even if things are terrible and broken and have fallen apart, even in that place, you get to be totally who you are. You get to say, I'm no longer pleasant and sweet. Things are a little dark right now. It's hard. You get to be completely and totally who you are in the right place. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be completely healed yet. The, the earth does not have to shatter yet. You can show up in the right place that God has for you, surrounded by the right people, and you get to be totally and 100% who you are. If you are, are pretending, if you feel yourself plastering smiles on your face and making it, making it through right now, you are probably in the wrong place. And in the right place, you get to be totally and completely you. Totally and completely you. I want y'all to know that this story is not a rom-com. And I can tell you that God is faithful because I've lived this story. I know what it's like to call somebody on the phone and say, I just want to go home. I'm from North Carolina. The mountain views are really nice there. I'll just be honest. Cost of living is a lot better <laughs> than South Tampa, you know. There have been moments 
in the last six months to a year where it's been really hard to be the pastor of a new church start. It's been really hard to keep showing up and doing what it is God called me to do. And there have been moments that I have wanted to leave the right place that God has called me and set me here in, in ministry. There has been times where it would be easier to run back home. Ruth and Naomi don't just run back home. They are really intentional to move from the wrong place to the right place. And even though I was here doing what God asked me to do mentally, I was not where I was supposed to be. I kept trying to figure out how I could make something else work, how I could pull an escape hatch the second I wanted out. That's how I had spent the last six months to a year. And it is an exhausting place to live. It is an exhausting place to constantly be second-guessing if you're where you're supposed to be. That is exhausting. And it is not a good place to live. And I did what I... I, I didn't know what else to do, so I called my friend and mentor. He's preached here before. His name's Alex Shanks, and I was like, I have no idea what to do next. I have no idea what to do next, but I kind of just want to pull the escape hatch and get out of here. And he said, you, you know what, Erica? You absolutely can do that. You can absolutely pull the escape hatch and go, I'll help. I'll connect you to some jobs. We will figure it out. But you have to ask yourself, do you think God's working there? might sound right now like the grass is greener on the other side, but do you think God's working there? And I was like, no, I don't feel like it's a calling, to be honest with you. I, I don't feel like it's a calling. I, I feel like God's placed me here in Tampa. To, and he said, okay. And he was quiet for a minute. And he said, Erica, you made a commitment to the people of Tampa. What do you think it says if you, if you pull the escape hatch now? I was like, not good. And he was like, not just pull the escape hatch. Quit second guessing that you're going to fail or something's not going to go right or whatever. Stop that. That's not a good place for you to be mentally. Look. Look for ways to honor your commitment because it's going to mean something to somebody else there. And then he told me. Things got really quiet. And I was mad because it's not what I wanted to hear. I just wanted him to say, yeah, you can do it. It'll be fine. Do, just do whatever you want. And he, he, that's not what he said to me. He said, Erica... I can promise you this, because I've preached at your church. You can show up exactly like you are. You can be exactly who you are, bitter and angry that everything hasn't worked out right. You can show up hopeful for the future. You can show up however you want in that church because you have worked hard to cultivate a space where people can show up with their questions and their doubts and with their certainties and their faithfulness. Everybody is welcome here. I don't just say that. I, I work hard to cultivate spaces this space to be that. And he was like, if you've worked that hard, they'll make that space for you. And they have. I have a group of women who I meet with every Tuesday night who have surrounded me and loved me and prayed for me and for this church. I have friends that I can call any day or night who told me, don't you dare quit before the miracle, right? I, I am standing here right now because I didn't want to live in the wrong place mentally for one more second. I didn't want to keep second-guessing or trying to figure out a better way out. I didn't want to do that anymore. I'm standing here right now because I believe in the place God's called me to. I believe in this church. I believe the hope and the wholeness and the healing that we offer to the world. I believe in our small groups that help, help people find and discover where God is working in their lives and where they surround each other. I believe in manly dip night. I believe God can work through buffalo chicken dip, bringing you guys together to be a community. I am here because I believe God has been faithful to me 
My children know how to set up sound systems and they feel a bigger part of this church than they've ever felt a part of anything in their lives. I watch that every single Sunday. I am here because I believe that God is faithful. And Ruth and Naomi had to make that decision. And even when the journey from Moab to Bethlehem made no sense and was hard and they weren't sure if they were going to make it, they kept walking the journey because they clung to this hope that God will be faithful. God will provide. And I'm walking that walk, and some of you are going to be walking that walk with me. Move from the wrong place to the right place. The journey there might be hard, but it is worth it. My very favorite verse in the Bible, I've been reading it constantly this year. It's like my verse for 2024. Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem. Listen to this. They arrive in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. When everything fell apart in Naomi and Ruth's life, you want to know what happened? Somebody a hundred miles away put some seeds in the ground. They saw a future. They had hope for the future when Naomi and Ruth didn't. You know what was happening when Naomi and Ruth were trying to figure out how in the world they were going to scrape resources to get there? Somebody was covering those seeds up. You want to know what happened? When Naomi and Ruth are deciding whether they're going to stay together and make this journey, somebody was watering the barley crop. And you know what happens when they make a hundred mile journey from Moab to Bethlehem? They get there and the barley harvest is beginning. A, a place with no food and no resources. And all of a the sudden they're in a place where the barley harvest is beginning. They can smell it in the air. I need you to hear this. You might be walking through a hard, hard time right now. Let us plant the seeds for you. Let us cover them up right now. Let us water them. While you make the journey out of the wrong place into the right place, find somebody here before you leave who will do that for you. Find your Ruth. God is faithful. There are people in these seats today. God is faithful. Last week we were on the news for serving. Serving the community. Horizon Church shirts. People in, right there. They were on the news. God is faithful. And God is working. This is not a story with some firework mega like ending, okay? This is just ordinary, your ordinary life decisions move you from the wrong place to the right place, step by step by step. The band's gonna come up. Some of you are living in the wrong place right now, and you need the courage to move to the right place. The band is going to sing a song that they believe in their bones about moving from the wrong place. To the right place. I just want you to take a moment to pray. Pray as they sing. What is it? What is it that God is asking you to move away from so that you can stand in the middle of God's faithfulness in the right place?